You're listening to a podcast from Grace Church in Salado, Texas. For more information and resources just like this, visit us online at gracesalado.com. The scripture lesson this morning comes to us from the book of Psalms 102, and it can be found on page 527 of the Bibles in front of you. My days are like a lengthening shadow, and I wither away like grass. But you, Lord, are enthroned forever. Your fame endures to all generations. This this will be written for a later generation, and a people who have not yet been created will praise the Lord. He looked down from the holy heights, The Lord gazed out from heaven to earth to hear a prisoner's groaning, to set free those condemned to die, so that they might declare the name of the Lord in Zion and his praise in Jerusalem, when peoples and kingdoms are assembled to serve the Lord. He has broken my strength in mid-course. He has shortened my days. I say, my God, do not take me in the middle of my life. Your years continue through all generations. Long ago you established the earth and the heavens are the work of your hands. They will perish, but you will endure. All of them will wear out like clothing and you will change them like a garment and they will pass away. But you are the same, and your years will never end. Your servants' children will dwell securely, and their offspring will be established before you. This is the word of the Lord. We are into our fourth week of our series that we are doing together on knowing God. And as we look at each week, we are discovering something about God and why it's important to learn this about God. And so far, we have looked at the holiness of God. We spent two weeks talking about what it means that God is holy, and we weren't really able to spend a lot of time on that, but we looked at some text and some scriptures that reminds us that He is holy and we are not holy apart by ourselves, and that He wants us to recognize His great holiness and our need of Him. And so today we come to another attribute of God. I want to begin by just uh, reminding us, we don't need reminding of this often, but when we are afflicted, when we suffer, we grieve, correct? Right? I mean, like when things get interrupted in our life, when, when suffering comes our way, we will respond and react during and through our grieving process in different ways. Most of the time, it's because this new reality in our, in our life, we did not plan for. We did not work toward suffering. We did not, most of everything that we try to plan and try to do is to escape difficulties and and realities of life that bring grief and suffering. But what happens when we lose a loved one, when we have a financial setback, when we are injured in some way, we act out, we 
we respond. We, we will try to cling to what gives us hope. We will try to hold on to an anchor of something during this time of affliction uh, when the suffering comes and when the wind blows, the storm comes. There's, there's something that we reach for to say, okay, this is it. I'm going to have to hang on to this because everything else is falling apart. This psalm that Bill read from, that we read from, Psalm 102, I'd love to read the whole thing. I want to encourage you to do that maybe this afternoon, this week. This psalm was written by a psalmist amidst great distress. His nation was changing. His people were in sorrow. They were lamenting is the biblical word for that. They were casting off sorrows, casting up sorrows to each other. And this psalmist is casting it up to the Lord. And he, during this time of lament, he remembered what and where his hope is anchored. The psalmist reminds us that in times like this in our life, it is not just good, but it is appropriate to constantly anchor ourselves with the worth and the unchanging God. So today, what we're going to look at is we're going to remember that when everything else changes, we have a God who never changes. God never changes those what we're going to look at is that his position will never change, his character never changes, and because his position never changes and his character never changes, his word, his promise will never change for us. And we're going to see how that gives us hope during times, times in our life. So let's take these one at a time. First of all, God's position never changes. Verse 11 and 12 in our reading here says, my days, this is the psalmist saying, my days are like a lengthening shadow and I wither away like grass. Amen, right? Can somebody feel that maybe this morning? <laughs> like, man, I feel like this like withering piece of grass sometimes. The psalmist is saying, compared to the Lord, I'm but a brief shadow. You know how long shadows last, right? As long as the sun is up, or as long as the light is behind you. My days are like a lengthening shadow. When the shadow is lengthening, that means the sun's going down. But you, O oh Lord, are enthroned forever. Your fame endures to all generations. The idea of an unchanging God is foreign or maybe strange to us, even though we, we will declare that, but really knowing that is foreign to us because everything in our lives changes. Every position in our life changes. In fact, let's just start with maybe the most foundational thing that we kind of rely on without ever thinking about it. The position of land changes. You know, land, the thing that gravity like sticks us to, it changes. We know of earthquakes that remind us of how shaky even our foundation is. We know of the earthquakes that devastated Haiti. We know of the earthquakes. We know of the fault line in the San Andreas Fault over on the West Coast. We, we hear about these. We, ha we have people that are building houses in those areas just knowing that it's shaky. We know of the tsunami that hit Indonesia. We know and we learn that this tsunami came and not only hit Indonesia, but other countries, Sri Lanka and all those around that, in which um, 
230,000 people lost their lives? It was because there was a changing in the position of the land in what is known as the Ring of Fire, the Indian Ocean. Several earthquakes happened. It created the, the water to do what the water did, and it impacted the land. Some reports say that over 130, anywhere between 130 and 150 people lose their lives every year because of avalanches. We don't have many avalanches in Texas, okay? We don't really have a lot of earthquakes in Texas. But the land, the position of our land changes, weather changes. You think, well, weather doesn't change in Texas. It's always hot or windy or whatever. Well, the weather on the coast of Texas right now has disrupted a lot of people. As tropical storms sometimes come and just sit and just flood things and mess things up. The position of land changes. The position of kingdoms change all the time. Since I graduated from high school, which was 1990, Check this out. So in high school, or middle school, I should say, we get maps, and we're supposed to color in all the countries, different colors, and memorize where all the countries are. And, and I used to, that was really the only subject I liked, uh, was like, uh, not just because of the coloring, that sounded bad, but because of the geography. I like like learning about other countries and other cultures. And just since high school, 34 new countries have started. Since 1990, at least 34 new countries, 15 of those came and originated from the dissolution of the great Soviet Union. The Soviet Union changed. And the result of that was 15 new nations sprung up. Monarchs are overturned all the time. Political leaders move in and out. We are one of the youngest nations, and we have had, even as one of the youngest nations, we have had over 45 different presidents. So Jason, well, of course, is built in for us to constantly change those, right? Well, what about our judicial system, where the people that come up on the Supreme Court, they have a life term. Like, the only way they are forced out of office is if maybe they're impeached or they die. How many different Supreme Court justices have we had in our nation's history? 114. There are currently 26 monarchs in the world today. Just in England alone, there have been 66 different monarchs over the United Kingdom in, this, in the period of 1,500 years. Even the most permanent positions that are established to rule the changing lands even those positions change. Yet verse 12, we are reminded, but you, O Lord, are enthroned forever. Remember when those of you who were able to be here those first two weeks, we talked about the holiness of God. What was it that was shaken Isaiah before he met God? What was it that he was sort of realizing he was anchored to? The rule of a king, Uzziah, who was now dead. God shows up, and that's when Isaiah realized, woe is me. He'd put his hope in other things. Kingdoms will come and go. God's kingdom, his throne, his reign will never, ever, ever change. That's what the psalmist is saying here. Our days are like lengthening shadows. They're like withered grass, but you are enthroned forever. Not only do the positions of land change, the positions of monarchs and rulers change and kingdoms, 
the position in our own personal lives changes all the time. I've gone from being a baby with an ivy in my head, if you were here last week, you know what that's about, to a toddler who crawled, who couldn't even change his own diaper, to a preteen who had wonderful experiences in the ER, in the hospital, to a teenager, to a husband, to a college student, to a husband, to a dad, to an in-law, son-in-law, brother-in-law. These are all different titles that I've had in my life. These are all transitions I've had in my life. These life changes, these positions. I've gone from an iron worker, helper at a construction company, to an intern, to a pastor, to a missions pastor, back to being a pastor again, and I'm only 47 years old. Just in all those changes, all of the positions in my life have shifted and changed and I'm only 47 years old. We understand that positions change, but not only the position of our lives, the positions of our bodies change, right? It's funny because we know that we like to talk about, man, I wish I had the body of a 25-year-old when you're 45 and you're thinking back, well, like, man, we're chasing, we're trying to get back to that 25-year-old body. But it's crazy that we even think that. Because it's constantly changing. 25-year-olds never say, I wish I had the body of a 5-year-old. Be crazy. It's changing all the time. It's funny, but it's also sad. Many of us come to the reality that whether it's us or our loved ones, we don't remember things like we used to. We don't see things. We have marks on our body that we were like, where's this mark come from? And we have aches that we used to not have. And we have these constant transitions within our body. I learned something about bones this week. Bones are supposed to be the most um, strongest part of your body. Like as long as our bones are okay, it can kind of keep everything in place, kind of, right? Big bones, small bones are supposed to be the dependability, the stability that keeps everything together. Well, after talking to one of my physician friends this week, he reminded me that our bones are constantly changing. In fact, he said that if our bones don't change, if they either stop growing and rebuilding, then we're going to have problems. Or if they get stressed in some ways and they deteriorate, we have problems. So if our bones don't change, either getting stronger or decreasing, there's problems with our bones. So even our bones can't be relied on. We have lands, we have kingdoms, we have our bodies, we have our positions, and they all change. Why? Because we cannot not change. We cannot resist changing. As free as we want to be, we are not free from change the ability of all these different positions to not change is limited because all of these different things kingdoms land our bodies they're creatures they're created things they cannot resist changing because they are created to change god created there to be shadows and for us to understand that we are but like grass because there are laws that he puts into place that make sure that happens but god is uncreated 
We are creatures. He's the Creator. Yet we often value, we often bow to, we often worship, adore, and all of our emotions kind of rise and fall on all those created things that change all the time. It's crazy that we do that, but we do that. In Romans, Paul puts it this way, Romans chapter 1, claiming to be wise, they became fools and exchanged the glory of the immortal God for images resembling mortal man, birds, four-footed animals, and reptiles. It's foolish to exchange the glory of the immortal God. Immortal there, what the word is, is incorruptible, meaning it's not liable for corruption or decay. You could say it is foolish to worship things that decay. He does not decay. He is immortal. He is incorruptible. We cannot say this about our kings. We cannot say this about our presidents. We cannot say this about our judges. We cannot say this about our own bodies, our loved ones. But his position never changes. Then we see down here in verse 25, long ago you established the earth and the heavens are the work of your hands. They will perish, but you will endure. Now here's where it gets even more graphic. All of them wear out like clothing. You will change them like a garment. They will pass away, but you are the same, and your years will never end. This is really interesting. I don't know what your Sunday afternoon routines are after you leave here. Usually we go to my house and usually the first thing I do, hi, hi everybody, love y'all. I'm straight to my room. I get out of my Sunday clothes. Depending on what's happening after lunch, which depends on what I'm wearing. I don't even think about it until I was thinking about this passage, what I'm doing. I just change. And I go put on a loose, lay around, restful t-shirt. I put on loose mesh shorts most of the time. Just kind of giving you a picture into my house. What happens with the glorious pastor in his afternoon. He's just kicking it, lounging around. That's what I do. But this is what happens. I just go in. I change things. Don't even think about it. Don't even mean anything. This is the illustration that the psalmist is saying what happens compared to God's endurance forever. It's like changing clothes, changing garments. His position will never change, though everything else will change just like clothing changes. He will remain the same. Notice that just He will remain the same. Verse 25, the psalmist says, Long ago you established the earth, the heavens, they're all the works of your hands. And he doesn't say in verse 26, some of those things are going to change. They're all going to change. But God, only you remain the same. So, since his position will never change, we can trust and bet, and we see it here in the Scripture, that his character will never change change his character does not change think with me for a minute what happens in your life personally when you encounter stress that means when something comes your way you didn't plan on 
starts to stress you out. Let's be honest, our moods begin to change. Our reactions will change. Our impulses, our urges, our motives for living and reacting and doing things are revealed. And we see that because of the stressors in our life, we change this way or we go this way and we do this or that. We can honestly say that often our character changes from the pressures of life. Now, our prayer is, and what we hope by using the by being grounded in the Word of God, is that our character grows to the better. But sometimes we gotta admit that sometimes our character grows to be worse because we don't handle our stress well. The point is that we all have some sort of plan. We all have a plan when it doesn't work out. When it doesn't work out, it stresses us out. And when it doesn't stress out, it sort of affects us. We don't know what to do. Our, our character begins to change. It reminds me of what former uh, champion boxer Mike Tyson said when he was asked about somebody's strategy that was facing him. He said, what do you think so-and-so is going to do when they have this plan to defeat you? And Mike Tyson famously said, everyone has a plan until they get punched in the face. Isn't that our life? Like we think, okay, we got it worked out. And all of a sudden, bam! Whoa, where did that come from? And what is that revealing? What is that changing in us? We plan and we plan and we think we are settled and found. Something happens. But here's the thing. God's character never changes because He is never stressed out. There's no punch to God's face. He never overreacts. He never underreacts. He never acts justly in one situation and acts unjustly in another. He never is blinded by anything. Therefore, he can't be blindsided by anything. He sees all. He never changes. His character never changes because his sovereignty, and we'll get into that starting next week, his sovereignty prevents him Being a God that ever stresses out. He never suffers the stress fractures of his character because he's sovereign and rules. We see this in this text, but you got to look for it. You got to see what the psalmist is saying here. Remember, it's times of distress that are coming upon the people. And look with me, knowing that, what he says in verse 11 and 12, and then we skip on down to verse 18. It says, These will be written for a later generation and a people who have not yet been created. That's pretty self explanatory, right? Everybody on board with what that's saying? Like, I'm recording what's about to be said, what I have been saying. So for the people who I don't even know what they're going to look like, I don't even know where they're going to live, I don't know what the land's going to look like, I don't know what the king's going to look like, there's a people coming and they're going to learn this about God. What is this? Verse 19, he looked down from his holy heights and the Lord gazed out from heaven to the earth to hear a prisoner groaning, to set free those condemned to die, so that they might too declare the name of the Lord in Zion and his praise in Jerusalem. Goes on, when the people and kingdoms are assembled to serve the Lord. The psalmist is saying there's going to be future generations, and I can tell the future generations that he is trustworthy. He will, just as he's listening to the prisoner now, he's going to listen to the prisoner 
then. Why? How can I say that? Because He never changes. If He's kind to us, if He's slow to anger here, He's going to be slow to anger to those who will come because His character never changes. This is a good news for us. In James, we see James write this in chapter 1. He writes this, Don't be deceived, my dear brothers and sisters. Every good and perfect gift is from above, coming down from the Father of lights, who does not change. And look at the words he uses, like shifting shadows. His position nor his character changes. Therefore, we can trust that his word will never change. Isaiah 40, a voice was saying, cry out. Another said, what should I cry out? The answer is, all humanity is grass. And all its goodness is like a flower of the field. And then another said, the grass withers though. You can almost put it though. The grass withers, the flower fades when the breath of the Lord blows on them. Gone. Indeed, the people are grass. The grass withers, the flower fades, but the word of our God remains forever. You can anchor and trust his word. Psalm 119, 89, Sam read this earlier. Lord, your word is forever. It is firmly fixed in heaven. Your faithfulness is for who? There we go, Miss Kay. Thank you. All generations. Forever and ever. It's not just your parents' religion. This is a God who's anchored forever and ever, not changing his position, not changing his character, not changing his word. You establish the earth and it stands firm by his word. So to summarize it all, his position stands firm, his character stands firm, his word stands firm, therefore... We can hope in God. We can anchor in hope to a God who never changes. Though everything in us, everything around us, everything before us will change. Parents, good news. Your kids will change. So will you. Parents, good news, reality news, sad news sometimes. Your kids will change. So will you. Your jobs will change. So will you. Seasons of life will change. Your houses will change. Your schools will change. Life will change. Task lists will change. Where's our hope? In the one who never changes. What does this look like? How can we walk through life when things get wrecked? When words from others are broken, seasons of life challenge us. Well, I want you to watch a little story. This is just a glimpse of just one family, one testimony of how relying and hoping and anchoring in a God who never changes helped them. Watch this story now. <laughs> Hi, I'm Luke. And I'm Lauren. And we're the Wells. We met at UMHB our somewhere freshman or sophomore year, we don't really know, through mutual friends and played intramural sports together. When we first started dating, Luke told me he wouldn't get married until he was 30. And then we started dating a couple months and he was like, okay, maybe 27. <laughs> and then he told me the whole time that we were 
dating, if I, I'm not gonna tell you I love you until I'm ready to propose. And so then he told me he loved me and then he proposed and he was like ready to get married. And when we got married, he was still in school at working on his master's and I was like, no, we gotta pay off our student loans. We've got to get a house. We gotta get like all these steps and then we can talk about kids. Whereas I think he was like, <laughs> Oh, we can have kids. It'll you know, work out. It'll, it'll happen. That's kind of how we do things. I'm like up in the sky. It's going to be okay. And she was like, no, we have to do all of these steps. The details. I and mean, we thought we would have kids and then later adopt. And we were um, approached about adopting a little girl who would be a sibling to my niece and nephew. Our only answer was yes. I mean, in, in our mind, we couldn't comprehend saying no to a child because we were constantly told yes by God and that's what we talked about a lot but I think that triggered this like start in both of us that oh we do like we're ready we got really excited about it um we're about to start the training to do it and then um because of I guess government rules or regulations it, it never went through the theme of our like whole marriage has kind of been the song it is well and we just kind of said from the beginning, like, no matter what, like, it's well, and he deserves our worship. I found out we were pregnant mid-May, and I remember that day I was thinking about it. I remember, like, I didn't want him to know, and so I took the test and then drove to UMHB to tell him he was gonna be a dad, and we celebrated, and it was fun, and then a week later, I had my first miscarriage. When the miscarriage happened, I was um, shocked. I, I don't think I really understood why or what was going on, but we knew God was present and we knew that it, it would all work out. During that miscarriage, I sat at home for a week afterwards, because that's what everyone told me to do. And I think that was worse for me than anything I could have done. Um, Cause I just sat there and thought, well, what if I would have done this? or did this or, I mean, Satan was just taking over my thoughts, but then we found out we were pregnant and it just moved straight from like sadness to joy and the cheesy Christian thing to think was, oh, the Lord works all for our good and here it was and we were pregnant. And yeah, we went to the doctor and heard the heartbeat and that was phenomenal. It was so cool. When I heard the heartbeat for the first time and saw it on the screen, um, I was um, in awe. I was so overwhelmed with emotions, um, excited. Yeah, um, he took the approach of like being like super excited and I took the realistic approach of okay, let's just take this one step at a time. Um, because in my heart, I just knew I couldn't, I couldn't do it again. I couldn't walk through it again. Um, so we took it one step at a time. Um, after we heard the heartbeat, we saw the doctor twice. Mm -hmm. um, we saw it at five weeks and then again at eight weeks. And then at 11 weeks, we went in and um, there was no heartbeat. And so I remember that appointment like it just happened. And so I was just weeping 
quietly weeping and Luke was the hopeful one. He, I mean, he immediately started praying and, um, but then the doctor came in and confirmed that there was no longer a heartbeat. A few days after um, we were informed that there was no heartbeat, um, I think Satan used that time to try to put fears into our minds um, and anger and confusion. Will we ever have kids? Um, it's something that you kind of think your whole life, oh, yeah, it's going to happen, you'll have a kid eventually. And I thought, well, we'll, we'll just adopt. But even that hadn't worked. I don't know, you just feel so consumed and overwhelmed that nothing's going to work out. The areas of which that I struggled was, why are you allowing people who don't love you to have children when we just desperately want to raise a child to know you and to make you known? And so why wouldn't you want that for us? I saw the pain and the emotional heartbreak that she was going through and I felt like that I had caused that um, as a husband. And I didn't, there was fear because I was like, I don't want to go through this again. I don't, I don't want to risk. I don't, I don't want to put my wife through this again. You can't protect her, you can't protect your kid, and so. I felt guilt of like, did I eat something I wasn't supposed to eat? Did I drink too much caffeine? Cause I like my Dr. Pepper, you know, and, and did I not drink enough water? Or, you know, what did I do that caused this? But I think the Lord in his kindness revealed that everything that we had planned and everything in our life is constantly changing and there's nothing we do but he was constant and he, he was who he said he was so everything that we had read in scripture about him he is love he is comforter he is sovereign and the truth that he reveals about himself is is absolutely true and we felt that and <laughs> and then god brought us finley this beautiful little girl <laughs> who we thought was a boy and <laughs> But, it's, I mean, she's perfect. What I would tell other moms is that the gospel is true and the comfort that you can find in the world is limited and the only comfort that you can truly find is in the Lord. And I could say that with or without her as my prize. Um, and I think that was the moment that we both had to come to, that even if the Lord chose not to give us a child, we could still say he's good. Yeah, through it all, um, the dark times and the great times, we we knew he was there and that he was holding us and um, that we would be reunited in heaven one day. It is well, it is well with our soul. Whatever he puts us through, whatever he provides for us, um, God's there. And it will be well. Just one story of God's grace sustaining, holding a couple together. As Lauren said and confessed, not because of anything she did or didn't do, but just the reliance that there is one who's, who's making all things well. My dear people of grace, as your pastor, I want to prepare you well to be worshipers of the one true God, I want to say to you lovingly, don't, 
Don't be fools. Don't worship things that won't last, that are like shadows, that are like dust, that crumble. At the same time, I'm not saying we should run to suffering every chance we get. What I'm saying, what the Wells would say, what the writer of Psalms would say, what James has said, run to Christ. Let Him be your hope. This doctrine is called the doctrine of immutability of God. I'm not expecting you to evangelize with that. It means the God who doesn't mutate, the God who doesn't change, the God who cannot be corrupted by acts or words or seasons. He is stronger than it all. Nothing can change Him. He is the God who never changes. So we embrace this doctrine, one, by accepting that changes will happen. Changes we like, changes we don't like. We accept this doctrine, too, by embracing that God never changes. Let me ask you, do you have this hope? When nations rise and fall, when nations rise and fall, do you hope in God? When kingdoms change, when presidents change, where's your hope? When your body falls apart, when your loved ones fall apart, when people lie to you, when bosses say to you, here's your box, pack your things, when a family member leaves you, where's your hope? Let's commit today as a church to help one another that we're not going to try to fashion and form God into our image that changes all the time, but we're going to help one another say, no, silly. (laughs) Let's anchor in the God who doesn't change. Lauren said the gospel is true. Well, the God who never changes chose to send His Son to die and redeem all who are His This is the hope that we have in Christ. And Jesus said, and we'll close with this. This is Jesus, the one who doesn't change. I have told you these things in John 16. I have told you these things so that in me you may have peace. I've told you these things so that in me you will have peace. Not in having a perfect family. Not in having the perfect job. Not in waiting for vacation or the salary to kick in. But in me you will have peace. You will have suffering in this world as shadows that shift and as grass that withers. You're going to suffer in this world. But be courageous. I have conquered the world oh god this doctrine i always want to say to you lord that this is the doctrine that's held me but they all hold me you never change i pray that everybody in this room 
when we sing this next song, God, that they will declare, they will confess with me the joy, the reliance, the dependence we have that you never change. Give us hope, I pray. God, not in our shadows that come and go, not in the withering grass that's sitting all around us and that we, that we play in, but God, give us hope in the one who's overcome everything. Anchor us today, I pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen.